take your Bibles, please, turn to the book of Genesis, chapter 39. We'll read verses 7 through 12 together. We'll read this passage responsively. Genesis, chapter 39, verses 7 through 12. And it came to pass, after these things, that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph. And she said, Lie with me. But he refused, and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wotteth not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And it came to pass, as she spake to Joseph day by day, that he hearkened not unto her, to lie by her, or to be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, and there was none of the men of the house there with him. And she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand, and fled, and got him out. And let's pray. Father, thank you so much for what you do in this place. Lord, it's very obvious that you enjoy being here maybe even more than we do. Now, Father, please fill our preacher with your power as he preaches. Fill us with your power as we listen. May we walk out and be closer to you because of it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. This morning, I announce to you the title of my sermon. I think many of you heard it and wondered. I'm glad that you did. This morning, I said I'm going to preach a sermon tonight. It's entitled, Do Not Resist sin. Do not resist sin. Let me first of all say, uh, recently I took our young people to a conference, and we were up in Waynesburg, Pennsylvania. At that conference, I preached this very sermon, and I preach it to our entire church here this evening. Uh, I'm different, and I know that. I know there are things that you hear me say, and you say, I've never heard anybody say that before. Uh, but I say what I say to help you. I say it because I, I love you, and I, I, wanna, I want you to be careful that you don't get yourself into a mess in life. So many times we look back and say, had somebody warned me, maybe I wouldn't have made that particular mistake. Well, I'm, I'm going to warn you, and I want to teach you some things about the Christian life. You know something? Far too many of you have made your Christian life far too difficult. You make, the, you make the Christian life so difficult. You want to, I don't understand it. Why do you want your life complicated? Why do you want to complicate your, your Christian life? People say to me, you, say, no, no one's, you make the Christian life seem so simple. I live in such a way to simplify the Christian life. And I, I'm, I'm not a very complicated person. And therefore, I need to do those things that makes it simple for me. If you listen to me this evening, uh, if you've ever looked and said, but Owens, uh, you make it look easy. Well, this evening, if it is easy for me, and just so you know, it's no easier for me than it is for you. I just handle it a different way. And because I handle it the way I do, I don't complicate it like you do. And if you listen to me tonight, I think... I'll teach you something, and I'll help you. And for some of you, you'll say, that's, that's you. You're, you're different like that. You're right. You're right. I am different like that. I am to stay different like that. And you'll see what I mean in just a little while. In the story that we read together from Genesis chapter 39, we see a man by the name of Joseph. 
Joseph was one of many brothers, and Joseph was his father's favorite son. Uh, he was his father's well-beloved son. And uh, Joseph's brothers became very jealous about all of this, to the point that Joseph's brothers, uh, they thought one day, you know what we ought to do? We ought to kill him. We ought to get rid of him. Dad likes him. Dad shows favoritism to him. And Joseph's brothers began to plot and plan, and they thought, we're going to get rid of him. We're going to kill him. We'll have rid of him. Well, Reuben who was Joseph's oldest brother, he convinced the others that that would not be a good idea. They said, uh, Reuben said, now fellas, let's not kill him. That's not smart. Uh, that, that wouldn't be good. Dad, Dad would be upset with us, and we'd pay for it, and it would be a tragedy if we killed him. That would be wrong. And then Reuben said, I'll tell you what we could do, though. Uh, we, could, we could sell him as a slave, and then we could be rid of him. And what we'll do is we'll tear from him his garments, We'll tear them up. We'll make it look like an animal has attacked him. We'll even take some animal's blood and smear that blood on Joseph's clothing. And then if we sell him as a slave, he'll get, he'll, he'll get carried away by a caravan of Egyptians. We'll take the clothes back to Dad, and we'll tell Dad that he has been mauled by a wild animal. And Joseph's brothers and Reuben's younger brothers say, Oh, what a wonderful idea. That will work fine. We won't have to kill him. We can just sell him. And so they did. A caravan of Egyptians were coming through the land one day. They went out. They struck up a, a, a bargain with this caravan of Egyptians. And they sold Joseph to the Egyptians. And then they took the clothing back to their father and said, Dad, look at this. We found Joseph's clothes and it looks like an animal has eaten him and torn him to shreds. And he's, he must be dead. And look at his clothing. There's blood all over it. And they tricked him. Well... When Joseph was sold, he was taken as a slave, and he was bought as a slave by a fellow by the name of Potiphar. Potiphar was an officer to Pharaoh. Now, Joseph is a slave to this captain named Potiphar. Well, Joseph was a hard worker. All the time that he was in this situation of slavery, he was, he was under a Potiphar, but he was a, he was a hard worker. Joseph worked hard, got up early. And as a result of it, Joseph began to get some promotions from Potiphar. I don't know, maybe he started out down in the basement working and, and uh, they had him, maybe, maybe had him locked down somehow and chained down. But the harder he worked, the more God blessed him. And by the way, that's always true. The harder you work, the more God Oh, bless you. And Joseph worked hard. The next thing you know, Potiphar had promoted him, though, promoted him all the way up to working inside Potiphar's house. That God was blessing Joseph, and Joseph was given promotion. And that brings us to the scripture of the day. Now, here is Joseph. He's working in Potiphar's house. And Joseph was uh, working in the house with Potiphar, and Potiphar's wife was there. And the Bible says that Joseph would go into the house, and Potiphar's wife, uh, to be very honest with you, she, she was loose. She was sleazy. And, and Joseph would go in there to work, and Potiphar's wife would virtually throw herself at him. And she was out to get him. She was out to subdue 
seduce him. She was out to entice him. And the Bible says that it kept happening and kept happening. Well, when you get to Genesis chapter 39, uh, you in verse 11, we find out something happens here. One day, Joseph went into the house where Potiphar's wife were. He noticed that there was nobody else in the house at all. That woman came on to him. She threw herself at him. She tried to entice and seduce. She, she was so bold as to say to him, I want to sleep with you. Let's sleep together. My husband's not here. Nobody's here. Joseph, he, 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 he resisted. He said, no. And he took off. He started to run out of the house. When he did, she already had a hold of some of his garments, which meant he was close enough to her that she already had a hold of his clothes. And she pulled off his coat, and he ran out of the house. Well, what ended up happening was, uh, she ran to Potiphar, and she said, she said, Joseph was in the house today. He tried to rape me. I have his clothes right here. And if you know the story, old Joseph, he ended up getting thrown out. He lost all of his promotion and ended up back in the dungeon. Now, thank God that Joseph resisted that temptation. I'm glad that he did. I'm glad that Joseph resisted. But let me tell you something. You see, I believe this. I believe where Joseph made his mistake, and I believe Joseph did make a mistake in this scenario. I believe where Joseph made his mistake is Joseph, when he knew that that woman was alone in that house, Joseph should have ran out. He should have taken off before she ever threw herself at him. You say, what do you mean? Well, the Bible says in Genesis 39:11, and there was none of the men of the house there within. Now understand something. Potiphar's wife was a beautiful woman. The, the more money a man had, the more selection he had of the women in the kingdom. And Potiphar was a wealthy man, and he had a beautiful wife. And Joseph was working in that house, and the Bible says that day by day she tempted him. Day by day she threw herself at him. But all the times before, there were other people in the house. And it, he was okay. There were witnesses. There were people around. But what happened on this given day? Joseph walked in. And she was all alone. And Joseph knew that she wanted him. And Joseph knew that she was watching for her chance. And Joseph knew that she was going to make him an offer. And Joseph knew that she was going to tempt him. And when she tempted him, he resisted. But I'll tell you what I think he should have done. I think he should have avoided that situation altogether. The day he walked in, he seen that none of the maids were there, none of the butlers were there, nobody else else was there, just the sleazy whore that had been trying to get him in bed, you know what he should have said? I'm out of here. I'm no, there's no way I'm taking this kind of chance with my life and with my testimony. And may I say, the devil's watching you. The devil's waiting to get you. The devil is out to make you an offer. The devil is out to tempt you. Let me say, tell, tell some of y'all something. The devil's watching and waiting and will test and will tempt you. And if you had any sense at all, you would avoid it altogether. Avoid the devil's temptation. You see, Joseph resisted the sin. But he did not avoid the sin. And I submit to you, you better avoid sin rather than putting yourself up against it where you must resist it. You see, Joseph resisted, but he did not avoid. He should have gotten out of the house the very moment he realized that whore was at home alone. He already knew she wanted him. You know how we are, though. We like being tempted, don't we? 
We like getting right up against it. We like, hey, we like the temptation. Listen, you better stay away from temptation. You better stay away from having to say no to sin all the time. You know, he, had, he, you know had he been avoiding it, he would have never have gone to that house once he knew that she was alone. Or had he walked in and found out nobody was there, he would have turned around and walked right out. He resisted the sin, but he could have avoided the situation, and he would not have to come face to face with that temptation. He said no, but he put himself in a situation that almost destroyed him. You know, you'll not have to resist the committing of sin if you will avoid sin's territory. This is where Brother Owens is different. I say to you, don't even get close to it. The average Christian wants to tinker and play in sin's backyard. And you say, well, I didn't do it. Yes, but one of these days you're going to because you can't play tag with the devil and get away with it every time. We like to get up close to it. We like to, we, well, I went down to the beach where everybody's naked, but I didn't commit adultery. I didn't lust. It's a miracle if you can go to a beach where everybody's naked and not lust. But you will. You will. You won't play with sin and get away with it. I say, avoid it. Don't just resist it. You see, did you know it's easier to avoid sin than to escape it once you're face to face with it? In the Bible, there, were, there was a disease. That disease was called leprosy. Uh, the disease of leprosy was a very common disease. The disease of leprosy uh, is where your body begins to rot away. You get this disease, it's very, very contagious. If you were touched by a leper, you would, you would end up with the disease of leprosy. It started as a little spot on your skin. I recently had some poison ivy on my arm. And so I, I, I scratched it, and then I scratched uh, uh, my, my, my shoulder. Well, as a result, it went from my arm to my shoulder. Well, if I scratched my shoulder and then scratched my ear, it went to my ear as well. And that's exactly what leprosy was like, except there, there was no solution to it, there was no cure. If you got it, it began to rot your body away. It would rot your body parts to the point where an ear would fall off, or, or, or a finger would fall off, or a toe would fall off. Well, there were, in Bible days, there, they had open markets. You would go to the market, somewhat like a flea market. People would have food set out on the tables. People would have all their products set out on an open table in an open market. Well, if a leper would walk in, they had to keep that leper away from their products. Brother Bush, you have a pole right there for me. Thank you. Now, a leper would come into the marketplace. And he had this disease that was contagious. If, if you were touched, if you got touched by it or you come in contact with it, you could die from it. So what a, what a storekeeper would do, he got a pole. And the common length of that pole was about 10 foot. Now, this is not a 10-foot pole. But he would take a pole, and what he would do is he would take that pole, and when a leper would come near his product or near his table, he would put that pole on the leper and say, unclean, stay away. Stay away. Don't come near. Don't come near my product. Don't come near me. Why? He had to keep that leper away from his merchandise. Other people would run from his table. Other people would run from his little spot in the market. And if that leper came up there and started touching things, the things would be contaminated. Have you ever heard the old saying, 
uh, I wouldn't touch you with a ten-foot pole. That is actually where it comes from. It was because, and, and you, you ladies, you say, that guy right there, he's so ugly, I wouldn't touch him with a ten-foot pole. Well, a leper, they were often ugly because they had these diseases of their skin, and they would take the pole, put it on the man, and push the man or push the leper away. Now, tell me something. If, if, if a man had, had a, a, a place in the market, would he take out a toothpick when the leper came by and said, stay away, stay away, I don't want you to touch my things? No, you say, that's ridiculous, Brother Owens. You would have had a ten-foot pole, too. You would have said, I've got to keep that away. I've got to keep him away. I've got to keep him away so he does not soil or disease other people. My family's here. This food's for other people. We can't let them get up close. Well, let me tell you something. Sin is a more fatal disease than leprosy ever will be. Why is it some of you pull out your toothpick when you get around sin and say, Stay away! Stay away! I don't want you up close to me! You get you a ten-foot pull. You get yourself as far away from sin and temptation as you possibly can. Some of you like to play toothpick, though, don't you? You play the toothpick game. Stay away! Stay away! Your little mini mouse, your just little mouth when it comes to temptation. Stay away! For me, no. You get you a pole, and you say, "You stay away. I want stay away from me. I don't want temptation up near me." If I had a cobra, talking about the snake, very poisonous. It's one of those snakes that it coils and it puts its head back like this and it spits its venom. If I had a cobra here tonight, and I said to you that it had a four-foot striking distance. And it could strike you and spit that venom on you and spit it in your eyes and poison you if you got as close as four feet. I wonder how many of you would come up and say, I'm going to get my tape measure out and I want to be four foot one inch from that snake. I'd come up and four foot one inch, I'd go, nah, 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 you can't get me. you say, Brother Owens, that's ridiculous. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. I would want to be as far away from that snake as I can, I could be. Well, let me tell you something. The venom of sin will strike at you, but you know what some of you will do? You will get yourself with, within one inch of the snake's bite and go, nah, 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 nah. You like playing toothpick games, don't you? You like getting as close to sin as you possibly can. I say, you get you a ten-foot pole, Christian, and you stay far away from sin. You say, people out there in the world are going to think I'm crazy. The day they get bit by the snake, they won't think you're crazy anymore. Hey, the day they end up with AIDS... I mean, leprosy, the day they end up with it, because they were hanky-panky and playing a little game, they'll, they'll say, hey, I'm going to get me one of them 10-foot poles. You know what? Hey, let's let Shenandoah Bible Baptist Church be full of people that carry him a 10-foot pole and stay as far away from sin as they possibly can. Well, the other churches are not like that. I don't care what the other churches are like. We need to stay away from sin. You see, we don't want to come right up against it. You come right up against it, you're going to get into trouble. Joseph, yes, he resisted, but he could have avoided it. That woman never had to grab a hold of his clothes. And let me tell you something. It was a miracle. It was a miracle that Joseph resisted. Say, you men, the most gorgeous woman in town, grabbed a hold of your clothes. She's been seducing you and pouring it on and flipping her thigh out where you could see it, uncovering half of her bosom, running around her house half naked and tempting you. How many of you would have said no and ran? 
he shouldn't have even been in the house. The minute he knew he was alone with that whore, he should have packed his duds and headed up the road and said, I'll wait until the I'll wait until the butler's back, I'll wait until the other maids are back, but I can't put myself in that situation. I also believe this. I believe if Joseph would have been in the identical situation again, he probably would have fell in sin. Nobody can handle that. Nobody can handle coming face to face constantly with sin and saying no to it. You've got to avoid sin's territory, not just resist it when it comes your way. If I had if this glass here, which is full of water right now, if I told you that in this glass there were 12 ounces of liquid and it, is, it has poison in it, 12 ounces of poison, and I came to you and I said, listen, I want you to know that if you drink 12 ounces of this poison, it will kill you. How many of you would run up here and grab it and gulp down 11 ounces? I'll give me 11 ounces of that stuff. If I told you 12 ounces killed you, you would not run up here and drink 11 ounces. You would not do it. You say, oh, oh brother Owens, I wouldn't, want to, I wouldn't even want to get close. Hey. Sin is a more deadly poison than strychnine or anything else you could ever put in your body. But you know what we'll do? We'll get ourselves as close to it as we possibly can. We'll take all the temptations of the world. We'll do whatever we can to get up close to it. Get a little look at it. Let's see how close we can get. You listen to me. You ought to get you a ten-foot pole. And you ought to say, I want to stay as far away from sin as I possibly can. I am so sick and tired of hearing Christians say, well, what's wrong with that? Maybe it's not a sin. But maybe it's not real smart that you do it because right next door to it, there is sin. Have you ever thought about maybe putting yourself out of sin's reach? Have you ever thought about living a Christian life that was lived in such a way that you were avoiding sin instead of spending every day of the week up against it having to say no, no, no. How about you don't have to say no because you're not where sin is? Have you ever thought about that? You know, if you'll let me, I can help you. I can help you with something. Did you know that when you resist sin, what's that mean? You come right up against it. You're right up against it to where you have to constantly fight the battle. When you resist it, instead of avoiding it, others will think you committed it. When you're constantly resisting it, instead of avoiding it, others will think you committed it. That's what happened with Joseph's boss. Joseph was not guilty. Joseph remained a pure man. But Joseph put himself alone in the house with a sleazy whore. And I'll tell you something. Potiphar's wife, was all, he already knew what kind of woman she was. Potiphar knew that. Joseph did not do wrong. But Joseph put himself in a situation of doing wrong. He lost his job. Now listen, I don't believe all accusations. I'm not about to. I'm not going to believe everything that everybody says about somebody. Hey, let's be careful not to create a bunch of situations where people can accuse us. Let's not put ourselves in that situation. Listen, when you resist it, instead of avoid it, somebody's going to think you committed it. You know, most everybody thought that Joseph was guilty. He lost his position, his job. He resisted, yes, but he could have avoided 
You know that if Joseph would have turned around and ran out of that house and said, I'll not put myself in a situation where I could be tempted, nobody could have come along and said, he tried to rape me. He tried to rape me. Hey, she was so close to him, she took his clothes off of him. She grabbed his garment. That means he was right up against it. He was close enough to be grabbed. He should have ran. He should have said, I'm going to get out of here. I don't want to be tempted. You know, if you lay down with dogs, you're probably going to wake up with fleas. If you play with pigs, you're liable to smell like one. Don't make yourself smell guilty if you're not guilty. You know, if you avoid, people don't usually believe that you participate. You know, everybody that commits sin, can I tell you what they say when, when they do wrong? I didn't do anything. That's what guilty people say. So what, what do people think when innocent people that were there say, I didn't do anything? They think you're telling the same story the guilty's telling. Why don't you get yourself in a situation where you're not where all the sin's happening? You're not where all the filth is happening. You're not where all the vulgarity is happening. I'm, yeah. Live in such a way that you are nowhere near the sin. Did you know it's better to say, I was not even there, than to say, I was there living purely? You're better off saying, I don't even know what happened. Hey, why is it in the school, every time there's a mess, you're there to testify? I was right there, seeing it all. I was right there. Why is it? Why is it? Hey, let me ask you a question. Why is it that when there's gossip going around the church, you always know about it? How do you always know the bad news? How does that happen? Well, the people just trust me. They trust that you're a gossip too. They know you listen to the trash. They, they do not believe in you. They know that you are a loose tongue, loose-eared person, and you will listen. That's why it is that way. It's not a compliment. You say, I'm not guilty. Then don't put yourself in a situation where someone's going to say, well, why were you there? Listen, if you, don't want think, if you don't want people to think you're guilty of boozing it up, stop going to the bars. Why did the bar drinking milk? Get out of there altogether. You shouldn't be down there where everybody's boozing it up. Why well, wouldn't listen to the rock and roll? What were you doing in a bar where they're jamming out and playing all the rock and roll music and drinking? You were in there drinking milk, praying, right? Right, we all were. Well, I wasn't doing anything wrong. Why did you have yourself in that situation? Hey, it might be that one of the new Christians in our church that saw you coming out of the bar after drinking your glass of milk, one of our new Christians might think, you've been down there drinking some Budweiser or Bud Dumb or whatever you call it. Hey, if you don't want somebody to think you're a wife leader, don't be rude to your wife every chance you get. Hey, if you don't want somebody to think you're a rebel, stop listening to rebel music. So I listen to rock and roll, but I'm not a rebel. Well, we might just accidentally get you mixed up with the rebels since you're listening to rebel music. You say, but I'm not evil. What are you doing out late at night every chance you get? 
comes stumbling in. Say, you say to your wife, I wasn't up to no good. Then why are you with the people who are up to no good and the places that were up to no good where all the lights are turned out? Well, what, 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 why are you putting yourself in that situation? You say, well, I wasn't doing wrong. Won't you get some real Christianity about you and decide that you'll get you a 10-foot pole instead of going all the way through your life with your little chip on your shoulder when the preacher preaches against separation. You have your little feelings hurt. You get you a pole and say, I'll stay so far away my feelings couldn't get hurt. You know who's upset with me right now? People went down to the beach that went down there. There was nudity, nakedness, adultery, immorality, and rock and roll music. It was all down there. He said, I wasn't doing wrong. You're offended with me. Don't put yourself in a situation where you're offended. By the way, you listen to this. I will, pre I will preach against the beach from now to the day I die. It is sin to go where people are naked. It is sin. You say, I don't like it. I'll preach it anyway. It's wrong. It's wrong. You can't go somewhere where everybody strips off their clothes and be right with God. Thank you, Brother Nash. Hey, if you go where it's happening, somebody's going to think you're guilty of it. If you don't want people to think you're a sex scene, watch what kind of books, television, and videos you've been writing home. If you don't want, if you don't want people to think that you're, you're up to no good in stealing, then stay out of other people's property. You see, when you resist instead of avoid, somebody unjustly is going to think you're guilty. And I don't think they're right for finding you guilty of something you did not do, but I don't think you're smart for putting yourself in a situation where they could think you're guilty. Now listen, not, I will not believe every accusation somebody makes. He said, I saw a man with a woman in a car alone. They're sleeping together. Just because two people were in a car alone doesn't mean they were sleeping together. But I'll tell you this. You won't ever catch me alone in a car with another woman other than my wife and my daughter, ever. I don't allow that. My staff men are allowed, not allowed to do that. Say, Why? I'm not going to have some rumor run around town that Brother Bush or Brother Nash or Brother Bages out running around with some other woman. I'm not going to leave place for that kind of an accusation. You say, I don't like it. That's fine. I'll do what I need to do to keep my staff pure and clean. And, I and hey, accusations come as often as they, as they will anyway. But we're not going to set ourselves up for stupid stuff like that. We're not going to do that. We are going to avoid it so we do not have to resist it, you see. Did you know it's easier to avoid sin than to resist it? Don't let the devil lie to you. He wants you to believe you're strong enough. Many of you plan to say no to sin, but you're only strong enough to avoid the sin. You planned on saying no when you got there. You know, the problem was, you don't have the strength. You know what strength God gave you? To say no to going there. You should have never gone there in the first place. I believe there are people all over this auditorium. You really want to do right. You'll leave out of church and you'll have this driving desire to do right. You'll put yourself right back with the old crowd. Right back in the wrong place. Right back with the filthy group. And you wonder why you fall right back into the filth. I'll tell you why. You don't have the strength to say no in the wrong crowd. You have the strength to say no to the wrong crowd. And not even go around them. You say, Brother Owens, uh, I'm not as good a Christian as you. Wait a minute here. I don't think you understand. I'm not a good Christian. Oh, not at all. I'm a terrible Christian. 
I'm so terrible, I do not trust myself to be put in situations where I'll be tempted. You say, why? Because I'll give in to temptation. I just happen to be smart enough to know myself to say, I can't handle it. You know something? I did not have my first credit card until I was 33 years old. I had a doctor's degree, five college degrees. You could, you could ask my wife. I was 33 years old, and after I got my doctor's degree, I went and got a credit card and a cell phone. Those were my two rewards to myself. You say, well, why didn't you have a credit card until you were 33? I'll tell you why. I did not trust myself. I knew that I would misuse it. I knew it would launch me into deep debt. I knew I would. I, I've got a weakness. She sits right there. I love my wife. I'd give her anything she wanted. I would, other than more children. <laughs> I'd give her anything she wanted. I knew this. I knew that if I had that credit card, I would misuse it. So you know what I did? I didn't get one, stick it in my pocket, and try to say no to it all the time. I could not do that. I knew I would not do that, so I did not even get a credit card. And if some of you listen to what I just said, you'd have enough sense to take it home, trash it, call them, cancel it, and wait until you have the character to say no. But you don't, do you? Right? You don't. There are people all over this auditorium, you are in bad debt because you have a credit card, and you cannot resist using it. So you say, but always, what's the, what's the solution? Avoid it. Get rid of it altogether. Get rid of it altogether. I do not spend my life resisting sin. I spend my life avoiding sin, and, and life, therefore, becomes so much easier for me. People say, Brother Owens, you make the Christian life seem so simple. Yes, if there's one area where Christian, Christianity is easier for me, you play around sin's backyard. I don't even go on the same block where sin resides. I don't want to go there. You say, why? Because I am a bad Christian. I will do wrong. I will be tempted, and I will give in to the temptation. You know... Let's take, for instance, uh, TV. I did not have a television up until 911. I got one so I could watch what happened, what was happening around our nation. You say, why not? You want to know why not? Because I would not turn it off when there was nudity. I like nudity. My flesh desires it. I did not have what it took to say no. I did not have what it took to say no to the filthy words and the immorality and the adultery. And you say, you're such a good Christian. No, I'm a bad Christian. And I just happen to know it. And so rather than resisting it, I avoided it, and I didn't even have one. You listen to me. All I'm telling you is get you a ten-foot pole. Some of you need to stop playing with the little toothpick. I can tell you how to get your life cleaned up. You fight the battle, fight the battle. I don't understand how some of you make it. How in the world do you... <laughs> I'll hit Brother Bush in the head with my stick. He's a leper. I don't see how some of you do it. How in the world do you keep yourself from falling into sin? I do not understand it. You get up against it and up against it and up against it. You get yourself as close as you can. You watch adultery or you read adultery. You look at nudity. How in the world are you keeping yourself clean? You're going down sooner or later. 
You better get you a 10-foot pole. You better get something to help you stay far away from it. Hey, my old friends, when I got saved, I separated completely. I would not go in a car with them. I would not eat with them at lunch at school. I would not do any of that. You say, why? I didn't have the guts to tell them to shut their mouth when they were using God's name in vain. I didn't have what it took to say, no, I'm not going to listen to that. You see, I'm a bad Christian. Us bad Christians don't have the courage to say no. And the only thing I was smart enough to do is to get as far away from it as I could to where I would not have to say no. I don't spend every day of my life saying no to sin, no to sin, no to sin, no to sin. Say, why not? I don't spend all day around it. I run from it. I'm afraid of it. You like to play tag. You like to get right. There's that snake. You get out your tape measure, four foot, one inch, and you get right there going, oh, look at that. But I'm not doing anything wrong. Well, you may just mismeasure someday. Did you know that when you resist it instead of avoid it, somebody's going to think you committed it. And they will unjustly accuse you, and it will be wrong. But you will have set yourself up by not using wisdom, about getting as far away from it as you could in the first place. But not only that, it is easier. It is easier to avoid it than to resist it. I do the easy thing. You ought to do the easy thing. You know something? My hotel room, when I go and I preach out of town, they, they decorate my hotel room for me. And they, they do it up big. I'll go in there, and they'll have a whole case of my favorite soft drink. They'll have boxes of caramel-filled hobos. They have heat bars. And they have, they have, you name it, my room. I'm not kidding you. I'll bring home, I'll bring home boxes of candy. But I'll tell you, my pants don't fit me as well as what they used to. They're shrinking. I've been taking them down to dry cleaners here, and they're shrinking. I'll tell you what I have to do. If you lock me in a hotel room with a whole truckload of sweets, chocolate, and cookies, and pop, you lock me in a hotel room with that stuff, I'll say to myself, not going to do it. Well, maybe just a little. And then I say, well, I opened that. It's going to be stale if I don't eat it. Then I think of the starving children in Ethiopia. And I think, well, those nice people got it for me. I ought to eat that. And then after I ate something sweet, I needed something salty because I need balance in my Christian life. So I eat some of those peanuts that they gave me. Then I get to thinking, you know, I need a little something sweet after that salty. And then salty after that sweet. And then sweet after the salty. And salty after the sweet. And then I've got so much caffeine in my system, the only thing left to do is to eat the rest of the night. The maid comes in the next morning, my hotel room, and there's empty wrappers and packages everywhere. So I tell you what I got to do, Brother Young. When I get to my room and they've got all that stuff, I immediately put it in a bag and I hand it to my host. Say, take this. You say, what? I said, please, I beg of you, take it, seal it, package it up. I'll take it home and get it to my family. But do not let me within 10 foot of it. He'll laugh and joke because I can't. Resist. So what do I do? I avoid. I avoid. Do you know it is easier to say no to going to a friend's party 
than to say no to a beer once you're at the friend's party? It is easier to say no to going out after work. It's easier to say no to going out than to say no to taking a hit off a joint when you're with a so-called friend. You know, it's easier to say no to the bad crowd than to say no to their criticism once you're sitting with them at lunch down at Denny's as they're criticizing the church and gossiping. You'd be better off. You knew what they were like before you went down there. You should have said, no, thank you. I'm busy. Busy doing what? Washing my camel. They'll come up with something. It's easier to say no to going in a friend's car than saying no to the bad music once you get in it. The average person in here does not have the courage to say to someone when you're in the car with them, I don't listen to that kind of music. Turn it off. So what do I do? Don't get in the car with them at all. Get out your 10-foot pole. Take your stand. I wouldn't want to hurt anybody. You're hurting yourself and every other young Christian that ever looks at you while you're playing those games. It is easier to say no to a date with the wrong kind of boy than to say no to his wicked request when you're out on that date. It's easier to say no to a wicked girl than to say no as she comes after you once you're out with her. It's easier to say no to that rock and roll CD while it's still at Walmart than once you've got it in your car. If I want you to make Christianity look simple. You want to know why? I don't spend all my time saying no to sin. Why not? I run from it. I run from it. You say, you're really different. This separation thing, you're really big on it. You're right. Because if I get you far enough away from sin, I won't have to spend all my life cleaning up the messes that you make of yours. You think you're strong enough to play tag with the devil, but he'll get you. He'll get you. He got David. He got some of the most powerful people in the Bible. You can't get up close to it. Don't resist it. Don't resist sin. What am I supposed to do? Avoid it. Stay as far away as you possibly can. You know something? If you don't avoid it and you resist it, you know what the next step is? Committing it. I think if Joseph had been in the identical situation again, I think he would have fallen into sin. I think he would have fallen into sin. Somehow we think we can play tag with the devil and win. If you will avoid it, you will not have to resist it. That will keep you from committing it. Let me show you what I mean. If, if this pulpit right here, if this right here is sin... And this right here is resisting. There's sin. I'm resisting it. I'm saying no. Now, if I fall, I fall into what? Sin. But wait a minute. If this is resisting and this is avoiding, if I fall from avoiding, I fall to what? Resisting. But this is where the average Christian is. I'll resist, I'll resist, I'll resist. And when you fall, you're going down, baby. Devil, tear your life to shreds. I preach and practice an avoiding Christianity. I don't just say, let's get right up against it and see what we can get away with. Let's spend our life saying, well, what's wrong with this? Well, what's wrong with that? Why don't you tell, hey, well, why can't we do this? Well, you spend your life living like that. You really have God convinced that you want to be spiritual when he hears things like that. Be out here. Avoid. Matter of fact, if this is sin and this is resisting and this is avoiding, I like to spend my life back here. 
I am going to stay as far away from that as I can. Hey, some of you used to be drunks and druggies in the world. You partied pretty hardy for the devil, didn't you? How much of a wild man are you for Jesus? How about, how about some of you used to whore around all the time? Have you given that kind of energy to your God? Have you? Hey, what is it that became your God? What is it? Have you tore into your Christianity like you gave yourself to your God when you, when you were not saved or right with God? Boy, it would be good for some of you to stop playing on the borderline. Well, I, I, just enough Christian to keep myself out of what we call deep sin. All sins deep, my friend. If you do not avoid it, but you resist it, when you fall, you fall into committing it. The farther away from sin, the better. This is what I hear. Well, what's wrong with a boy and a girl sneaking out the lover's lane and just holding hands as long as we don't fornicate? Well, why don't you say this? Wouldn't it just be real smart, Brother Owens, if we did not touch until we were married? And let me tell you again, it is right for a young man and a young lady to stand before this pulpit at the wedding altar, pure and virgin. Say, well, we were out there, but we weren't fornicating. Guess what? A boy and a girl at 11 o'clock at night, out of Lever's Lane, all alone in their car, the rest of us might just think. And some of you'd be shocked what your kids are doing while they're alone in the car. I've already counseled with some of them that are fornicating right and left, and they haven't told you yet. You're so strict. I'm trying to just keep the daughter from being pregnant out of wedlock. You know, hey, I'll tell you when you'll appreciate it. Some of you'll appreciate it the day that your daughter walks down this aisle and marries a pure young man that's a hard worker. He's got a job. He won't beat her. He'll love her. He'll come to church. He'll help her to serve the Lord instead of dump her six months after they get married because he doesn't want to work and doesn't want to support her. Yes, I believe in a different level of Christianity. Yes, I do. And I don't apologize for it. You can just call me the ten-foot pole preacher. Let's stay as far away from all that trash as we can. I don't want to fall into sin. I want to keep... And it's not because I'm a good Christian. It's because I'm a bad Christian. And I know me. Hey, are you honest enough with yourself? Are you honest enough with yourself? Can you say to yourself, look, I can't say no to wrong. I better avoid it rather than resist it. Well, what's wrong with listening to Christian rock and contemporary music? Why don't you say, wouldn't it be just best if I listened to the old-time religion music? Wouldn't that just be the very best and the safest thing? But you know what we want to do? We want to get the old toothpick out. We'll get as close to I want to please the flesh. I want to be tempted. There are men in this room, you would never buy a Playboy magazine, but I'll tell you what you do. Every chance you get, you're, you're taking a look at the front cover and the back cover. You're squeezing a plastic and see what you can see through it. You're looking over the top of a convenience store. No, you wouldn't do it. No, you don't have one. But you are playing a game with Satan, and you've got yourself right. Right on the edge, and the day you fall, you're going down. Why don't you avoid it altogether? You say, what do you mean? Stay as far away from that magazine rack as you possibly can. Why? Because you're honest with yourself. Well, Brother Owens, what's wrong with staying out late at night on the street corners, riding around with my friends and in the clubs? I'm not doing anything sinful. 
Why do you ask what's wrong? Why don't you say, how right can I be? Instead of how close to wrong can I get without actually sinning? This, this is, hey, let me tell you something. This is where the average church wants their preacher to be. You let me get right up to the edge. Preacher, I don't dare want you preaching about this 10-foot pole Christianity. Hey, you tell me I can go down to the beach and I'll be fine. I won't tell you that. That's trash. You won't go to the beach and be fine. Guess what? I can preach against this now because we're not going to the beach anymore. I'll probably lose some member here tonight because I'm preaching against the beach. You can't tell me you can go to the beach with all those naked people. I think that's the third time I've preached on that, isn't it? Well, you're on the East Coast. You can't preach like that. Preach like this anywhere I go. If you want some preacher that's got lace on his underclothes afraid to say it, you've got the wrong one. You've got the wrong one. I don't, you say, well, I'm a big tither. I don't care how much money you have. Your money don't mean nothing to me. My God owes the cattle on a thousand hills, and I'll preach against it because it's wrong and because it's sin. Have I said anything about the beach yet tonight? title of this sermon is, Better Not Be Going to the Beach. Why are we always trying to figure out how close to sin we can get? Avoiding puts you two steps from sin. Resisting puts you right up against it. Here's where, here's where a lot of you make a mistake. You spend all your time fighting it. Fighting it. I mean, you're right, you got sin just splashing in your face. You're fighting it saying, no, 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 no. You're wore out. You are wore out. I spend my time back here. When the real battles come, I still have energy left. I've not been over there playing in sin's backyard. I've got energy left to fight the real battles of life. You spend all your time right here. I can say no, I can say, I can say no, I can say no. I'm over here. Say no. Say no to what? I'm at the beach. Look at her. I can see her bosom. I can see her rear end. Look, they're all naked. Look at that. Hey, look at those people rubbing on each other. Look at all that. Look at all that. Look at all that. I can say no. I can say I know. I should say no. I don't go to the beach. I have to fight that battle. Some whore in the church might come around and hit me someday. I'm ready to throw it out. I'll be ready to fight that battle when it gets here. I can say no. I can say no. You're so wore down. From putting yourself in a situation where you resist, 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 resist. Hey, young man that's listening to rock and roll. You listen to rock and roll music from the time you get up to the time you go to bed. You say, I'm not doing drugs. I'm not doing drugs. I'm not a pervert. I can fight it. I can fight it. I can fight it. I can fight it. You spend your whole day fighting. All week fighting. Once you get rid of it altogether. You don't have to fight it all the time. Because one of these days... It's going to get you. You will not listen to rebel music without becoming a rebel. Matter of fact, you're probably already there. When real spiritual battles come, some of you don't have the strength to stand. By the way, if I've embarrassed you, you should have been told some of this stuff a long time ago. You should have been told a long time ago it was a sin for you to go to the beach. I've been here for 15 months. And it's wrong. And you know better. 
He said, well, God created the body, and God said to cover it. I've proven to you dogmatically and scripturally, for a woman who sewed her thigh is sinful. From the Bible. Have I preached on the beach yet? And if you're, if you're here and you're going to rise up against me, you come to my office and talk to me man to man, face to face. Come, you just come talk to me. Don't you slither around like a stinking little snake, slimy little thing, try to cause division in the church. You just come see me. You come look me eyeball to eyeball and say, well, I don't like it. I don't care. It's wrong. You know... People that won't avoid it but resist it often are considered guilty of something. It's easier to avoid it than to resist it. And if you don't avoid it, the next step is the committing. Let me give you one more verse. You know that the model prayer by Jesus, he said this. He said, lead us not into temptation. What did he mean by that? Lead us not into temptation. You know what he's teaching? Avoid it altogether. Avoid it. If I avoid, I'll not be tempted. And when I'm tempted, I'm apt to fall. I don't have the strength to continuously fight the battle. Don't resist sin. Avoid sin. To be a more victorious Christian that way. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. There are all sorts of Christians in this room. It's time for you to step up in your Christianity. There are some of you got about four or five pet sins, and if somebody preaches on them, you're not going to change. You're too set in your ways. You've already decided. Something you're hanging on to, it's wrong, and you know it. It's time for some of you to get it right with God. I love you, and you know it. And if you doubt it, you must be blind. Your problem is that you've got problems with sin in your life. Now, I've told you tonight how to make your Christianity simpler. So how do I make it simpler? You avoid sin. So you men, be careful. Your wife's liable to grab you by your ear and lead you right out of this church now that I've said what I've said about the beach tonight. feel sorry for you. I feel sorry for you. Avoid it. Avoid it. Avoid it. You can't constantly fight the battle. If you're here this evening and God has spoken to your heart about sin in your life, some of you need to get cared for. There ought to be people that ought to leave your seat come to this altar and say, I'm not going back to the beach. I'm not going back. I'm not going back to all the nudity and the filth that's there. It'd be hard for some of you because it really, you really have to be separated to do it. There are people in this room tonight that you need to say, you know what part of my problem is? I play tag with the devil. If every day of your life you're fighting over some of the things that you should have far separated from, you're making a mess of your Christian life. Why don't you really separate yourself from those things so they're not a constant temptation to you? If you're here tonight and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, 
you know what you better do? You better decide you'll trust Him and that you'll get born again. Hey, you do definitely want to avoid hell. And the way to avoid hell is through Jesus Christ. And may I say one other thing? Preachers all over the country 50, 60 years ago preached like I preached tonight without reservation. We have such a dead Christianity today. It's the old-time religion, the old-time way. I'm glad that Joseph resisted, but I wish Joseph wouldn't have put himself in a situation where he had to. Father, I pray that you'll take the rest of this invitation and do something with it, please.